Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, this is Josh and the homebrew hombres, Liam Malone, Max Wessel, and Doug Banks. Hey! We make RPG from scratch. It's a podcast about making and playing your own tabletop role-playing games. So come listen to us work on the Scratch Dice system, an alternative to D&D and Pathfinder, and listen to our first campaign, Echoes of the Starcrypt, at nerdyshow.com and on your favorite podcast app. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat Devere here, and we are back, back, back again. It's our first recorded episode of the month. We took the microsode off this month and gave you one of our Rainbow Spotlights audio edition for you to enjoy as we delved into our media binges okay maybe it was just me i've been watching a lot of the challenge lately <laughs> i'm not gonna go into a whole <laughs> diatribe like i did in the last episode when i i went into survivor talk but i don't um, believe you suffice it to say i watched at this point close to 30 seasons of the challenge um pretty much everything that that is available to consume on uh hulu and netflix and paramount and all of these and now philo because i'm watching you know current seasons but um i have lots of thoughts i actually started tweeting out thoughts the other night when uh probably by the time this reaches our listeners probably a week or so um ago because i just couldn't i just couldn't take it no more i went through 40 seasons of, of survivor and didn't like live tweet any of that because I was like, who's going to want to read my random, you know, opinions? I'm not Monet Exchange. <laughs> but but I got to a point during the challenge where I was like, I need to say this. If I don't put this out into the ether, I will explode from just being so upset with myself. 
But uh, we are back, back, back again. It is the month of April. It is April 2020, y'all. This is redonkulous. I can't believe time is flying by like this. This year is screaming through. And uh, we are here to talk about pop culture in the world. I am joined by BJ. Hi. And Eric. Hello. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that has, uh, you know, been tickling our fancy over the past month. So I am going to go ahead and throw it on over to Eric to kick us off with our first topic of the month. Eric, what are you going to talk about? It's a movie. A new movie. A new movie? A new movie. I would say a newbie, but I think that's that's the opening show before a movie. <laughs> oh, I thought that was Nuva Ring, and that was uh, Birth is that Control. A con- yeah, I was going to say that's Birth Control. <laughs> with, with Maria Menounos, or whatever her name is? <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, my God! Come yes. through, Maria Menounos. I almost forgot about her. See, that's what happens when you don't go to the movies. No. You no. forget about Maria Menounos. No, I. The only reason I remember her is because the speedway next to where I work. Um, apparently the little speedway TV thing that's on their pumps. There's yes. like a Maria Menudo's like quick facts, like uh, or like life hacks thing, and yes. I'm just always sitting there like, why would I make co- why would I make cold cereal like <laughs> at night or cold was it cold oatmeal or oh, steeped oats? Yeah, there's like a steeped oats recipe I can't get out of my fucking head because of it because it's oh. that's been the one for the past like two months. That oh my up. god! <laughs> yes, she is on like all of the. It's it's whatever that it's like a gas station network because like I've been at Shell, I've been at BP, I've been at different <laughs> ones, and like Maria Menounos pops up with her, her you know, she's handy dandy life hack. She's making she's making that money, <laughs> getting those cookies. You know? Get these um. cookies. <laughs> So uh, I did not go to the movie theater, though, although my movie theater nearby has reopened now. Um, I mean, it's Florida. Fucking everything is just wide open. (laughs) Yeah, at this point. They're just literally in Florida. You walk into a business, they just spit in your mouth. They're like, hey, come on in. (laughs) Um, But I enjoyed this film on HBO Max. It's Godzilla versus King Kong uh, or just Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, the newest monster flick, which is has he been stripped to- of his monarchy ranking? This is this is uncalled for. I'm very upset well, with this. In his previous film, he was just referred to Kong Skull Island. Uh, listen, I would like to know when he was uh, <laughs> when he was stripped of his title, because I would like to retroactively file a complaint with the uh, monarchy department, the monkey but- monarchy department. But in last Godzilla film, he was uh, dubbed King of the Monsters, so that's where the king went. I, listen, well, <laughs> he yep. should then still he should retain his kingness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is the fourth film in Legendary's MonsterVerse, um, the connected film series. Have you guys seen the previous films? I haven't seen any of them, and it was funny too because I saw uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and I knew it was linked to uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh-huh. I had no idea it was so. So is it, it's the fourth film? 
Yeah, because technically the Brian Cranston Godzilla is the first film. Really? And Godzilla King of the Monsters is a sequel to that. Although none of the humans really from the first film carry over to the second. Oh, film. okay. So and and then and then technically Kong uh, Skull Island was like a prequel because that took place in what the, like the sixties. Yeah, uh, just after the Vietnam War. Okay. All yeah. right. Now I'm picking up what you. Wow, that is kind. Of, that is a weird map. That is a very weird map. Um, that's, I didn't. That's a whole realize. different meaning to Viet Cong. Uh, boo, no. Uh, boo, no. <laughs> sorry, I had to get that joke out. I'm sorry. You'll add the noise of crickets in post, right? Oh, um, wait, hold on. You mean you mean this? There it is. Yeah. Pat, Pat, you really, you really shouldn't. <laughs> you really shouldn't monkey around on our episodes like this. <laughs> oh no, oh. I wanted the I wanted the horn. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Followed by <sighs> <laughs> That will never ever get old. Oh, it's... Brian made it into the episode. He did. <laughs> So this current movie takes place five years after Godzilla King of the Monsters, where at the end he killed King Ghidorah. Um, And so Godzilla is just roaming the earth, doing whatever. And um, doing hot girl shit. Exactly. (laughs) He's being quiet, you know. Chilling in the ocean, um, until he comes up and kind of randomly attacks um, this apex uh, cybernetics plant, who's been doing uh, sinister stuff, um, and nobody knows why, except there's a podcast host who has a conspiracy podcast um, <laughs> against all of the apex shit going on, and. He and Millie Bobby Brown go to investigate, and they find out that that Apex company is building Mecha Godzilla because people don't like Godzilla for some reason. Uh, what What was funny is that like the Monarch Group was just kind of like we have no idea what he's doing. Like, why is he doing this? Like, and then, <laughs> but it's like all he's been attacking is Apex facilities. So I'm like, has nobody? Is, is there no detective? Is there literally nobody else has made any, like, connection that they're like, you know, maybe Apex is doing weird experiments. No, no, we're just going to assume that he's just doing bad shit. Yeah, the, the only person who's on the Apex at all is Bernie, who's a janitor and is the host of the podcast. Um, oh, so I thought not, he was Sanders, in, not Sanders. I, I, thought, I thought he was an engineer. No, he he kind of snuck his way into engineering. In oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so while that's going on, um, the island where Kong's living is kind of falling apart. And they decide, well, they're looking for a power source in the hollow earth, which that's where all the monsters come from, is this hollow earth. 
and they want Kong to go there and lead them to this power source. Um, and so it's, who's the scientist? Rebecca Hall. She plays the scientist who's studying Kong and she's adopted this little kid, Gia, who is the last of the tribe who lived on Kong's island. And she's deaf and communicates with Kong via sign language. And she kind of tells him what to do or convinces him to do stuff. Um, she's the only human that Kong trusts. And so if you've seen the trailer, did you see at least the trailer, Pat? I, I, maybe in passing, I have not he, actively he's been watched. Hooked. He's been hooked on reality television. <laughs> I, I was like, I, if, it was, if it was in the middle of a season of Survivor or The Challenge, then yes. If there was, if there was, a, that, com- no. if there was a commercial that popped up in the middle of some reality television, he'd be like, I can tell you exactly everything in that trailer, but no. <laughs> can you take me by the hand? I feel better now. I, I don't even know what brand that commercial is for, but I know that song. <laughs> like it's on the radio and a pop hit. But no, I don't. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen much for this movie. I know it's out there. I just hadn't really seen much of it. Yeah, because um, the big scene is they're they're um, moving Kong via boat to get to where the entrance to the Hollow Earth is. And Godzilla attacks them in the middle of the ocean. And so there's a big fight on all these aircraft carriers where Godzilla ends up winning because Kong needs land to be able to fight. Um, And so then they airlift him to the Arctic, Antarctic, one of the poles where apparently the entrance is. Just Antarctic. Yeah. And they travel journey into the middle of the earth style and find out there's a big land there and Kong's people were there and he finds an axe. And then honestly, this movie's kind of a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, 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 it's one part Kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. And then it's other part weird sort of like journey to the center of the earth, like sci-fi film. And I'm like, I really think they kind of did the best they could. I feel like, cause, cause honestly, I didn't realize there were four movies in the thing. So now I'm like, I need to go back and watch three more movies. And now I'm, I'm probably not going to do it, but like, it was, we, it was like, like it's the, all the exposition is just like rapid fire sentences. And then like, that's it. Um, like the, the whole idea that the reason they have to keep Kong in like a big fake facility Island thing is because he's an alpha Titan. And apparently you can't have two of them, uh, even on the entire fucking planet. Um, you know, and then there's the whole idea. There was like, they glossed over the idea that Titan, that, um, Godzilla and Kong's like species had a war and then they're just like oh yeah they hate each other and then but and that's pretty much it and then you find an axe that's made out of like a piece of whatever Godzilla's species is and you're like okay we're not we're not gonna talk about that (laughs) okay he has a giant axe with a piece of Godzilla cool all right that but that's what makes him more successful in a fight he can use tools all right we're just gonna 
Um, I, I actually wanted to know more about the Hollow Earth part of the movie. Like, I actually kind of wanted most of the movie to take place there <laughs> instead of everywhere else. Yeah, in, in King of the Monsters, the Hollow Earth thing kind of was neat as a concept. And for, like, okay, this is where all the Titans originated, you know? Kind of, okay. And then, um, and then seeing it and what they did with it it was disappointing like yeah the the, the brian cranston godzilla was kind of disappointing because godzilla shows up for five minutes at the end and that's about it king of the monsters was really good there was a good lots of uh, monster fights and the human element which usually humans are just there to get killed during the monster fights but <laughs> you know there was kind of a cohesive story about what the humans were doing and how they tied into the monster fights and whatnot. Kong Skull Island was good. People were good. Monster was good. Everything was good. And this one, the people were just kind of throwaway. Everyone they brought back from Kong, like Millie Bobby Brown had nothing to do. Kyle Chandler was just there. Um, Alexander Skarsgård like, had this tragic past with his brother, but nothing. Um, the only interesting person was the little girl, I thought. Yes, agreed. Um, and it was just kind of sad that it was just made for the monster fights, which were good-ish. They were good fights. Um, were you rooting for Kong or for Godzilla? I was rooting for Mechagodzilla because, in all honesty, <laughs> Me Mechagodzilla... <laughs> Was the coolest fucking thing. Like, he he pretty... he. I was sad he didn't have a detachable rocket punch, but I will accept the boosters in the shoulder and him, like, flying across the city. Uh, so I I liked... I, I liked Mechagodzilla because, honestly, I was... It, it's one of those things where you've seen a gorilla punch something before. It, even, if, even if you've never seen a King Kong movie, there's a video of a gorilla punching the shit out of something or someone. So you're like, okay. Uh, honestly, the final fight was like the cool, the, the fight between the two, uh, the two of them and, and uh, Mechagodzilla. That was probably the coolest fight. But in all honesty, I was like, I don't really care who wins. I just want to see Mechagodzilla fire off missiles and shit. Like, I, I became that mindless, like 12 year old that just wants to see cool laser beams and everything. Um, so I actually... I, me and another friend were like kind of irritated that Godzilla was kind of passed off as like the villain of the movie. Yeah, it was very annoying that they made Godzilla the bad guy. And, yeah. Because uh, Godzilla's... I was rooting for Godzilla. He's my king of the monsters. <laughs> um, especially after the last film, he was the hero of the whole thing. Oh yeah, and and I get that you have both Godzilla, who's the hero of his movies, and you have Kong, who's the hero of his movies, and you put two guy, two good guys in a fight, and you know what it is? It's it's toxic masculinity. Like most most of the movie was just two alpha males fighting with each other over nothing. <laughs> That's what you it know, is. You know what would have stopped the fight though? If Godzilla had said Martha, 
Because <laughs> then Cotton would have been like, why did you say that name? Well, I mean, and- it was right there. It was right there. They could have said Mothra. And it would have been... <laughs> Absolutely. Get the fuck out of here. Both of you, get the fuck out of here. Get out. We're done. Podcast over. Mothra? Why did you say that name? <laughs> Enough. It's over. It's done. Leave uh, meeting. <laughs> um, there will probably be another movie. It, it made enough. It's recouped its um, break-even point, and it was the uh, most successful launch item on HBO Max thus far. So, don't do don't tell the Snyder fanboys that, please. <laughs> they get very upset. Oh, boy. very upset. <laughs> They're just in a state of always upset, though. I mean, you're not <laughs> wrong about that. It's just true. <laughs> um, but overall, I thought it was okay. I would much rather go back and watch either of the last Godzilla or Kong movies than watch this movie again, though. So if you had to give it a flame rating, what would you give it? Two and a half. <laughs> you're like, man. Did I light anything on fire during this movie? (laughs) I'd honestly have to say same. Okay. Okay. And that is currently running on HBO Max if you have a subscription to it. And uh, I believe it probably still be in the theaters for a little bit longer. I'm sure that the theaters are holding on to movies longer than normal in uh, this Covidina world that we're living Uh, in. Actually, I think they're holding on to them less. For really? Times. Yeah. Um, I think it's this. I think it for. So for Warner Brothers movies, I think it's the standard. Like, I think it was like 36 days or something. Um, and then, no, I think it's I think it was originally it was like 40 something days. And now it's down to like 36 days. And then other movie companies have also decreased the amount of time movies are in theaters for this year. Um, there's no word on whether or not that will go back to normal, but all the finance people are like, yeah, no, there's no re like if, if release, if this movie and this movie did well, it did well, despite the fact that it was on streaming. So if theaters and studios still make the same money and it's released on streaming, then movie movie theater companies are probably going to start throwing a hissy fit, which means movies will spend less time in a theater and uh, more and come up on streaming earlier. Which I find strange because with less movies just in general coming out right now, you would think that they would have to fill their screens with something. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that would be my thought on it also. I mean, just and, and the fact that you probably I mean, aside from states like Florida and, and Texas, um, your theaters are probably having to have capacity limits, I would think that you would want to have it longer to be able to try to accommodate the same number of people, but in a, you know, you'd have to, to have X number of people see the movie in the theater. You would need it to be in there X and a half times longer in order to, to make that same, but it, it'll be interesting to see what the, the movie industry looks like. Um, I do thank HBO max for that, streaming and same day like you know same day streaming as uh the theater release only for the fact of it's still you know 
I mean, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, no matter how much people would like to think that we're not. Um, thankfully, vaccine rollout has ramped up and has uh, gotten us to a place where we're in a much better position than we were, you know, through the majority of 2020. But it's nice to have that option to be able to not have to worry about going to a theater. You know, once we get a little bit further in, probably, I will say the first time I will probably step foot in a theater will probably be in July for Black Widow. That, at that point, and I mean, by the time this comes out, I will pretty much be fully vaccinated according to the CDC guidelines. And I still don't want to step foot in a theater just yet. You know, I'm still, I would still like to hold off as much as possible. So with Mortal Kombat coming out uh, from when we record this, what, five, three, It's uh, Mortal Kombat comes out the 23rd, yeah. 23rd. Yeah, so it'll it'll come out just before this releases. Um, but I'm I'm glad that I don't have to worry about going to a movie theater to go see that, mm-hmm. because otherwise I probably would wait until it came out on a streaming service or it was out in a in a capacity where I could watch it um, at home or on my own schedule. So I'm I'm glad that they they've taken the opportunity to do this. I know it fucks with contracts and how much people get are getting paid for you know this that or the other but when it comes down to making rich people richer or making sure people stay healthy and alive i'm gonna take healthy and alive that's just me though <laughs> but uh but yeah so if you have hbo max go check it out while it is still available on the streaming service also let let me let me just say one thing um for those of you that are in front of your computer screens right now, um, do yourself a favor and look up Rule 34, uh, Godzilla Kong, because I didn't even go looking for it. I did not look for it. And I Why? sent you guys I sent you guys a picture <laughs> in the in the in the Facebook chat um, that's like kinda cute. But then there's one, there's a comic I need to send all of you where it's like Godzilla's just like screaming and he's like, I'm the king of the monsters. And then King Kong just walks up and gives him a peck on the cheek and he goes, yeah, you're my king, sweetie. And then walks off. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) and I'm just like, there's just so much. There is so much. And it is just like, I don't know why. We've all been cooped up in our houses, but I feel like (laughs) I didn't realize just how much was out there. So, yeah. (laughs) It's the internet. It, but yeah, even even though it's the internet, but like it's like I said, I if you guys look at the picture, I'm sorry for whatever the algorithm does to all of your social media and everything after that. Like but uh but yeah, it's it's some of it's cute and some of it is disturbingly accurate. That's Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, go check it out if you haven't seen it. If you are a fan of uh, kaiju uh, films, if you're a fan of just mindless monster beating, then uh, go check that out. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong streaming on HBO Max for a limited time in the movie theaters for a limited time and then uh, eventually showing up uh, somewhere. 
So that is our first topic. Thank you, Eric. BJ, why don't you take it away with our second topic? So I just want you all to know that I've never, never found J.K. Simmons attractive. However, the character he plays in Invincible could do me in front of my grandmother and I wouldn't even care. I'm not even going to lie. Omni-Man can hit it 50 ways past Sunday. Um, I'm talking about the show Invincible uh, based on a comic series. Um, it's it, it, I honestly didn't see a trailer for this show till like the day before it launched. I, it just randomly popped up. I, it, not even on Facebook. It popped up like on you, on my YouTube feed. Um, but it's kind of, I want to say it's almost like a Superman. It's one of those Superman allegories, but the world it takes place in is absolutely fucking hilarious. Just because like you have Omni-Man who's your, your Superman construct and he's on a date with his wife and a dragon just start, randomly out of nowhere starts destroying a building. And she's like, honey, honey, there, there's a dragon. He's like, he's like, the military can handle it. I'm on a date with my beautiful wife. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I will tell you the first episode takes a hard right. Hard right. Um, they're realistic with the gore. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So the the main character, Mark Grayson, is played by Stephen Yun, um, who played Glenn on The Walking Dead. Uh, Debbie Grayson, uh, his mother, is played by Sandra Oh. And J.K. Simmons plays Nolan Grayson, his dad. Um, and you've also got Zazie Beetz, uh, who played Domino. She is uh, the, the love interest to Amber. So from there, it like... It's, it, it's Mark... Essentially, Mark gets his superpowers... And it's just about this teenager trying to kind of learn, like, what kind of superhero he wants to be. Which is which is all fine and dandy, but, like, in the meantime, you've got, like, you've got different superhero constructs. Like, instead of the Justice League, it's Guardians of the Globe. Um, instead of, like, Teen Titans, it's Fight Force. Um, you've got, uh, you've got, you've got Teen Squad... It's but all the different superheroes, a lot of them are fairly original. Um, you've got a, a character called Monster Girl who turns into this big monster, but when she transforms, it, it essentially makes her younger. So she looks like she's thirteen, but she turns into this giant orc thing. Um, and it's it's yeah, it's it's you know what it makes me think of? It's like an animated version of the boys. Okay. It's it's like an animated version of the boys. You have a you have a, a a murder happens in the first episode, and there's a big mystery around that one, um, and that's kind of the ongoing like sub arc of the show. But honestly, all the characters are great. Uh, Mark's best friend, um, I think his name's Kevin. Um, no, 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 not Kevin. Um, uh, I can't remember. I think it's will uh, it's it's his best friend at school he's he uh he always he talks nasty about omni-man and he's just like yeah that daddy stash he can totally turn me out and he's just like he's like please don't and he's just like fine i'll keep it hetero for you for the rest of the day if that's better um <laughs> but no it's it's got some great lines um there's uh one of my favorite voice actors uh jason jason Manzukis. jason Manzukis. 
plays yeah, so um, Derek. <laughs> he plays he plays a character called Rex Splode, who kind of has a similar power to uh, um, Gambit, where he can supercharge object the kinetic energy in the objects. Um, yeah, no, he's absolutely fucking hilarious every time he takes a step on the screen. Um, so it's honestly it's a great watch. Uh, Mark Hamill's uh, pops up in it. I mean, it is a powerhouse of um, of uh, voice actors and everything. Drag Race super fan Gillian Jacobs is also part of the cast. Yep. Um, Mahershala Mahershala Ali, uh, who's supposed to be the new uh, Blade, he's in the show as like a side character. Um, yeah, it's nuts who all they have. Uh, Gillian Jacobs, Zachary uh, Quinto. Gillian with a hard G. A hard, Gillian. Hard G. <laughs> Uh, Zachary Quinto plays a character called Robot. <laughs> um, yeah, and Andrew Rannells for yep. the, for the Broadway gay and Eric. Sandra <laughs> O oh is there. Seth Rogen um, is uh, program created by Robert Kirkman, who can yeah, wreck yeah. me any day of the week, any day, any day, <laughs> any day night, um, holidays. <laughs> um, John On Hamm. Whose penis probably could wreck me. <laughs> Ezra Miller, Nicole Byer. Yep, it's Argo. Like I said, it's He's it's a, it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one that one's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, that one's not bad. Between that and Wipeout, I mean, she's everywhere and nailed it. Yeah. Oh my god, I need to watch Wipeout. I need to watch Wipeout. Is that, that Harlo? That's her, and, it. her and John Cena. It's her and John Cena. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a pow- the cast is a powerhouse. The writing is super quick and awesome. Um, the mystery behind stuff is really really cool and engaging. Uh, so definitely, it's on Amazon uh, Prime. If you have a Prime membership, it's free. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I'll pro- once the season's over. I'm 100 percent sure I'll probably mention it again on the podcast but definitely do yourself a favor by the time this episode drops they they're do, doing a weekly drop um that's kind of the thing we're, we're moving back into that now we've um, literally gone away from weekly cable to weekly streaming that will cost us the same as cable <laughs> yep like honestly uh, it's amazing how this is how this has gone and don't get me wrong i don't mind weekly series but at the same time, I'm kind of tired of paying for all of these streaming services. We're just gonna have to we're gonna have to build a a virtual commune, and everybody gets <laughs> like everybody picks two services that they pay for, and then we just all put our passwords into the oh. middle. Oh no! And share we, them all. <laughs> we won't be able to do that for long either. Oh. Um, Net, Netflix announced they are be- they are currently beta testing in certain states. Uh, the non the non-sharing program that even though you can put they're in the same household as you, the the Netflix program will be able to know, be like, no, you have to put, like, we'll be able to figure out your zip code because the Netflix already has a regional thing um, that you Which have to trick Which is bull. Because yeah. let's say I have, let's say I have a summer home somewhere. Who's to say that me watching it in one place or me watching another place isn't, my household 
So or it'll be or just traveling. I'm uh -huh. taking my iPad on a trip. Okay, yeah. I'm going to connect to the Wi-Fi at the hotel. That's in a different zip code than where I live. Absolutely. So, so what what the financial well, all the what the money people are probably are predicting about this is that streaming services are not profitable until possibly five or six years out after they've they've begun so their first two years you take a loss and then by the time you start making enough money to make your your original series especially if you make a bunch of hits you're now making money uh however you have uh super contenders like disney plus that because of the pandemic and everything it's profitable now they didn't expect disney plus to be become profitable till like two years from now but it's profitable now so what's going to end up happening is with the thing is that if they don't if they if they do a re, they, it could be a regional password sharing uh i want to say prohibition uh password prohibition um what could happen is they could offer password sharing as an upcharge so, like, you can share your account with up to four or five people, not in your household, for, like, an extra surcharge, which is something that Spotify kind of does, where you can have a family plan, uh, but technically, they're all supposed to be in your same household, uh, FYI. Um, I was going to say, Google so, does the same thing, because um, you can do that with, with, like, well, it used to be Google Play Music, but with YouTube, YouTube Music, uh, you can do a family plan and it's uh, a, a little bit less because I think it's 12, 1199 for a, one person to do ad free YouTube and YouTube music. And then if you do a family plan, it's, I think, 1499 a month for, I think, up to, maybe up to five people or three people, yeah. something like that. So, yeah, it's similar. Google does something similar with it. I, I'll be amazed. I'll be I'll be amazed to see if it actually, if they follow through. I had seen that they were starting to test the uh, the screen that would pop up and say, are you sure you're in the same household? You know, <laughs> of course but, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> so we'll see if they yeah. actually follow through with it. And that's, and that's the thing is I don't really fault them for it because at this point they've reached the maximum profitability they can do with their current, services like but they're you have still not profitable netflix still oh like is still in the red a shit ton of money but apparently not apparently they, they they've pulled they're they're out of the red now uh, with the, uh, the pandemic with the pandemic and everything netflix and disney plus shot way up than what was projected uh for subscribers for paying su subscribers well yeah yeah so yeah yeah. But I mean, Netflix, even even when Netflix was the only like, you know, pretty much the only game in town, they and, and producing some of the best online streaming content, they still were bleeding money because yeah. you can only get so much money per person, you know, and there's only so many people that are going to subscribe and you're paying out this much money, which is why they do a lot of these um shows that will end after X number of seasons, whether it's technically two seasons split into four parts, like a, a Sabrina, you know, when we, when you get parts one, part two, part three, part four, they're only contracted two seasons, but they're putting it out in four parts. And then it stops because they're not going to renegotiate. They're not going to pay the, the actors and the crew and all of these people making the show more money 
even though it um it it was a huge success because it's only profitable for this amount of time or when you have you know what a lot of these streaming services are realizing is when you do a binge watch and you do or you drop an entire show people can can do a free trial watch the show and then cancel so now you've seen this television show that's this huge water cooler talking point but with a seven-day free trial they've watched it already and they don't need to pay anymore isn't that what you're doing um first off paramount (laughs) plus is a 30-day free trial (laughs) and i've kept it at least for right this second so (laughs) i did think about that though i'm his dirty laundry out there right (laughs) right You, you need to get you need to get that sound clip of taste doing the audacity the, 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 the gall the gumption the nerves the gall remind me of that because i totally will i'll have it for the next episode um oh my god that but feels yeah. like so long ago but yes uh even though we're still in the same season of u.s drag race uk feels like it was a decade ago but no, I I I, can, I totally get that whole point of it. But that's why Paramount is doing their original programming in weekly drops. That's why Disney Plus is doing their programming in weekly drops and has so much Marvel content coming that there are essentially only about eight or so weeks where there isn't Marvel content coming out this year. Overall, between the television shows and the movies, Disney Plus obviously isn't getting the movies right away as far. It's not like an HBO Max thing. But when you look at the content coming out, it's so saturated across the board that you can't really stop your subscription there. You know, you can't do a seven-day subscription and binge everything and continue to watch it all. So it'll it'll be very interesting to see how they enforce it and how it rolls out and how much of a, uh, a a reaction everybody gives to it. Because, I mean, if it comes down to it and people start, you know, either going away from it or canceling the subscriptions, I mean, it could have an impact to, to kind of loosen the reins on that, so to speak. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it works. But I still say for everything else, we do a, a password commune and uh, just put all the <laughs> like a like a, a, a streaming party key party or a streaming <laughs> service key party. We just all throw streaming, a password in streaming key party once a month. Everybody puts their passwords in a bowl with their keys <laughs> and they have to, they have to trade passwords for one streaming service. I'm going home with Amazon Prime tonight. <laughs> Oh, I got Crunchyroll again. Oh, <laughs> uh, but that is invincible, and I don't know why. But I, I continually, anytime we say it, I want to say it like it's the opening to um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Invincible, oh, they alive. They, damn it! They do this weird thing where, like, the title screen for the episode isn't till like almost the middle of the episode, or sometimes the end. And it's every time 
it's like every it's like the first time in the episode they say his superhero name invincible so like so like the first episode where he gets like he actually shows up and somebody's like who are you supposed to be he's like i'm and then the title screen and you're like wait what (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's kind of disjointed but it works like you're not expecting it all of a sudden it's just the word invincible appears on the screen and you're like ah interesting interesting well, now that I'm pretty much done with uh, my binge of Survivor and the Challenge, <laughs> I am going to have to check out Invincible because why not? It sounds like a lot of fun. So that is Invincible streaming now on Amazon Prime. All right, y'all. We hope that you are enjoying this and all of the other phenomenal geeky content coming your way from the Nerdy Show Network slash Omniverse. We hope that you have checked out our brand new website. I I think this may be the last time I call it brand new. I think it's been like three months at this point. So, (laughs) but if you have not done so, go check out our website, flameonshow.com, newly revamped. It has all of the ways that you can listen to us. You can watch us on uh, YouTube or Twitch for our streaming, for our interviews for uh, games, all of that fun stuff. Um, not so generic games because Eric hasn't uh, been on Twitch to start streaming yet. Um, <laughs> I keep waiting for that notification. One day, one day, it, it has where you can when go. When you and- least expect it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be sitting. I'll just be sitting around one day, and also to be like, <laughs> generic games is now streaming, and I will have a. a, a I will faint like a uh, medieval lady, just <gasps> or like Jean Grey in the '90s X-Men cartoon. Oh, Gosh. oh, oh! <laughs> but it also has where you can uh, go and support us, like our Threadless Shop and our Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Flame On Show, where you can become a patron and help us create more amazing content like we are doing for you right now. And I would like to take this time to go ahead and give a huge shout out. Our good friend, Zach, who is one of our newest pledges on Patreon. A huge shout out to you, Zach. Thank you for not only being our friend, but being a supporter now on Patreon. Here's your shout out. We appreciate you. We thank you for being a delightful member of now our Patreon community. But thank you, Zach, for being our patron. You can uh, join at any one of the four levels that we currently have. Brand new Patreon levels coming very, very soon. Uh, I know I've been saying that, but I promise they are coming. (laughs) But in the meantime, you can join on and uh, support us now at any of the levels. And uh, when the new ones come up, we'll give you a heads up and uh, you can check out the the new patron levels there. So thank you for supporting us. And if you would like to, that is patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. Flameonshow.com is our website. And you can always check out Linktree, our linktr.ee slash flameonshow. That has all the ways that you can find our podcast. It has our Threadless shop. It has all of our Twitch channels. It has everything all in one handy dandy spot for you to be able to check out. So uh, do that. And uh, thank you for all of your support. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, let us get into our third and final topic. This one is mine, and it is a paramount plus a formerly a cbs all access uh exclusive movie it apparently was their first original film done for the streaming service uh and it is now uh part of the paramount plus uh streaming family and it is the film console wars it is a 2020 documentary directed by jonah tulis and blake j harris the film is about the 1990s console wars between nintendo and sega in the 16-bit era and the rise and fall of Sega in the home console market. It's based on Harris's 2014 book and the first original film for CBS All Access, now the Paramount Plus Network. Uh, It was 1990. Sega, a startup gaming company, assembled a team to take on Nintendo, the world's greatest video game company. A make-or-break conflict pit brother against brother, Sonic against Mario, and American capitalism against Japanese tradition. So this film was a, uh, I believe it was actually an award winner at the 2020 South by Southwest uh, film festival. And it is really pretty freaking cool. Um, it, the primary focus is on Sega. It goes into the creation of Sega of, uh, of America and how it basically started up as a way to combat Nintendo's monopolization of the home video game market. Um, It goes into detail about how the company started, how, like, where they were coming from with with everything. Um, The addition of Tom Kalinske, who at that point in time was huge in the toy market. He was uh, basically credited for the resurgence of Barbie at that point in time because uh, pretty much Barbie was seen as having run her course. And he said, no, she can do anything. And uh, was really behind the revitalization of Barbie in the, you know, in the eighties, as well as uh, a favorite of mine, He-Man and basically the brainchild of some of our favorite toys um, from the eighties. So when he was brought on to, uh, to join Sega, 
he kind of put it out there. Apparently, the best part about this was he was on vacation in, uh, and uh, the head of Sega, actually Sega Japan, went and found him while he was on the beach with his family and was like, uh, you, you know, we came here looking for you. We want you to work for us. And he was like, no, that's, uh, I'm, I'm not doing, you know, that's not what I'm, I'm going to do. And his daughter was like, this man came and found you. <laughs> like he came looking for you, go do this. And he went to Japan, met with the, the execs at Sega and essentially brokered a deal with them to have carte blanche decision-making ability over formation of Sega of America. It also goes into uh, Shinobu Toyota, who was working for another company at the time in America on a green card and doing all of this, like, you know, a work visa. And um, he didn't want to go back to Japan. He wanted to fulfill his version of the American dream. So he took the job with Sega, this, ups, you know, this, this, brand new upstart, you know, company here in the U S and moved into a comfort suites. And my favorite part of this entire film is the fact that this man to this day has not moved out of that comfort suites. <laughs> he still lives there part time. Wow. But still lives in this comfort suites hotel. <laughs> um, it, actually does have uh, some input from um, uh, Nintendo's Senior Vice President of Marketing and Corporate Communications, George Harrison, uh, Howard Lincoln, who worked for Nintendo. Um, and it it shows kind of how it, it dives into Nintendo's beginnings in the video game market, how with the, the epic fail of E.T. for the Atari 2600, how that basically destroyed the video game market how you went from having just watching your television to being able to play games on it you know with pong and and uh in television and the atari and how et completely obliterated any hope for that actually ever being something more than uh, than what it was at that point in time into nintendo being this thing like just kind of coming out of nowhere and having been around for a while and having done card games and all these other things, uh, you know, the Famicom and getting into this market and basically revitalizing and changing the video game industry, the home video game industry. Uh, and it was so funny seeing the old uh, pictures of what this Japanese system looked like, because it looked a lot like the, um, the, the Super Nintendo <laughs> and just getting kind of that nostalgia feel for it. And then watching how Nintendo basically put a chokehold on the market and how they really did not allow for any other competitors to be in the market at that point in time. And it's, it's so weird because it's such a piece of nostalgia. It's such a piece of my life, my history, and I'm sure for you guys as well. And then to kind of look back at it and go, wow, they were kind of assholes about the whole thing. 
And that was really the impetus for, for Sega of America to be a thing because they wanted to take down this Titan, this company that really had made it impossible for anybody else to be a part of this. Um, and going from the 8-bit to the 16-bit and watching how they kind of the thought process behind everything and not only creating the system into um, packaging, you know, a, a, I don't want to say a launch title, but a, a flagship title with a console, um, you know, the creation of Sonic the Hedgehog, all of these different things. Like, it's amazing to watch a company rise into something as, you know, prolific and as, as large as Sega was. Um, and from there, kind of watching it explode, watching them find a way to not only make it into the market, but the fact that when Walmarts would not give them the time of day, um, that they actually went down to Arkansas and set up a tent outside of like the main Walmart down there because that's where they're based out of and they set up tents and had people come up and play their sega genesis and to the point where the uh the head of of walmart at the time was like all right please just just stop it we'll give you four feet of space in the store like just please take down the (laughs) take down those tents um and watching like i'd even i had forgotten about the sega yell like it's it's been so long. Like I completely forgot about it. Sega. <laughs> they actually have like all of the the former Sega like people like the 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 people that started the company do that towards the end of the film, and it's just it's hysterical to watch. Um, but how they found a way to kind of come at Nintendo from a completely different tact. Um, targeting an older audience you know the teen boys versus young kids um it goes into mortal Kombat. i didn't realize mortal Kombat was the first game to be released on both platforms you know Uh because you had your exclusive content for for nintendo you had your um your exclusive content on sega you know the games that they were developing themselves and then you have mortal Kombat that came into the the home console arena on both of them and i I absolutely remember the fact that mortal Kombat was muted and censored for nintendo um i didn't remember that it was green just like slime that flew out of the people as you beat them but (laughs) uh but i did remember that they they had censored it because obviously nintendo still to this day in most ways is very much uh a a younger skewed gaming system uh but then it goes into them appearing at in front of congress because of the violence in video games because of the you know attack on on children that these things were doing um you know you have all of these different uh i have the the imdb up here but i honestly could not even point out his name if i without uh having it directly pointed out in front of me but um one of the guys from nintendo because he felt like his voice wasn't being heard in you know these big group meetings jumped ship from nintendo 
to Sega. And when they got called to testify uh, in, in front of Congress, Sega actually sent this dude who worked for Nintendo, who now works for Sega, to go testify. So you had like one of the highest people in Nintendo and then this guy that used to work for them to basically jab at Nintendo and rile them up and be like, not only are you like now a part of this, but this person who used to work for you is now, you know, also testifying and um, to see them kind of go back and forth and just how shady they were to each other through all of that, you know, Sega thinking that Nintendo had basically kind of put it out there and, and sent this to Congress, like and to make this a big deal. So they pulled out um, the, uh, the, the gun hardware that Nintendo had put together, you know, like the, the laser gun and the scope and all that. And uh, kind of threw that back in their face of like, you want to say that you're, you know, you knew that this was going to be an issue. So you censored Mortal Kombat, even though it was going to be a detriment to your, your bottom line, but you're making guns, you know, as part of the gaming console. Um, it, it was just, it was so interesting now as an almost 40 year old man, where looking back at all of this and going, this was my childhood. This is what was going on at the time to, you know, uh, Sonic Tuesday and doing an, a coordinated international launch for the game to be released everywhere on the same day, which had apparently at that point never been done. It's something that we think yeah. about as being just the, the norm, the standard that this, you know, Sonic 2 being that first game to do it, um, you know, it, it it really, it showed a different side of of everything from my childhood. And then it dives into really Sega's fork in the road, which would have either made or broke them. And there was a movie company that was, in the process of uh, developing a 64-bit chip. And Sony was getting into the market. And of course, once they bring in Sony, they uh, they do a, a, a video clip from Mariah Carey's Someday, which at that point I was like, this film has won me over even more so now. Because, <laughs> you know, you throw Mariah Carey in there and I'm totally done. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But uh, they they basically started up a partnership with Sony to try to take down Nintendo, which ended up being their downfall because Nintendo jumped on the opportunity to work on that 64-bit chip. Sony and Sega ended up at each other's throats, and Sega rushed the Saturn to the market which was only a 32-bit system with two 32-bit chips eventually. But um, it was their biggest misstep and what eventually led to the downfall of the company. And to watch kind of how all that momentum shifted with Sony bringing the PlayStation into the market. And it, it, it basically ends, it doesn't, the film kind of starts to taper off at the end with the the PlayStation and um, the E3 convention where all three of them were making their big presentations. They Nintendo was showing off the graphics of what would eventually become the Nintendo 64. Um, 
and their decision to wait another year. I think this was what, 95. So they decided to wait because the hardware wasn't going to match up. You know, the games weren't where they needed to be. Um, the Sega Saturn was being released for $400. And they show a clip from Sony's presentation at that E3 where the guy is talking and he brings up, uh, he's like, I forget the, the guy's name. He's like, he's going to come up and join me for a brief presentation. He literally walks up on stage and goes, two ninety nine. And then walks away. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically that was the, the, uh, the end of it. And it just, it, it showed that, you know, the Sega Saturn only sold, I think like 30 million units. Um, I I don't remember if it said, if it was the, the N64, whichever Nintendo system they referenced, referenced at that point sold 60 million and um, and it showed that you know the, the Sony PlayStation went on to be the highest selling console of all time, selling over 100 million units. And uh, I, I guess at the end of it, it really just shows you that Sony won the console war at that point. Uh, but hey, Nintendo still rocking strong. Sony's still rocking strong. Microsoft in the game now, and Sega having. Uh, it didn't give a, a you know an end date for it, but it it basically said that you know within a few years they they left the the video game industry. And uh, my favorite part about that E3 was that the guy that jumped ship from Nintendo to Sega jumped ship from Sega to Sony, and he and the other guy, uh, one of the other guys from Sega, were in the same hotel for that E3. And Sega had taken out like a, a big um, like banquet area and the pool area, and they had these inflatable like these big blow up sonic balloons. And um, the guy from from uh, Sony that jump ship from Sega to Sony apparently went around and uh, popped the balloons <laughs> <laughs> and just had them all deflate into the pool. And then the right pettiness. out, the, <laughs> oh, the level of unprofessionalism. <laughs> so amazing and the fact that the guy from sega was like went up to him was like can can we just calm this down and the other guy was like no no we can't (laughs) i was like you catty ass bitches i love it and then they show uh the footage from the thanksgiving day parade that year where it was the, the year they introduced the sonic balloon into the parade and it hit a light pole and deflated and uh injured like a cop, a woman, a 10-year-old child. <laughs> I was like, that was not the year for blow-up Sonics at all. But uh, overall, it was it was super entertaining, super informative. I love the fact that it was um, very much documentary style, a lot of interview pieces, but it was intercut as they were talking and, and describing different... Um, scenarios and different uh, uh, meetings and conversations, they actually animated a lot of it in that 16-bit style, um, oh, some wow. Mortal, Mortal Kombat style, some like uh, just the, the 16-bit games of the era. It, they did like these beautifully like rendered pieces to accompany those conversations. And it just... Like there was talk about one of the uh, the Japanese uh, 
heads of uh, Sega of Japan, and they were talking about his hair and like how it kind of like uh, just uh, the way that it was like kind of rolled up at the top of his head and uh, <laughs> how he was mad. And they did it in a fighting game style. And his hair, were, like he would whip his hair out and it would like hit the the Sony man, <laughs> the Sega man, <laughs> the businessman on the other side of the screen. Like it just, it was extremely well done. Um, I can see why it was an award winner because when you when you think about documentaries, especially for topics like this, you think of a lot of people just talking, like I have been for for this whole time, and just describing things and and all of that. And this added an extra layer and an extra depth of of visual storytelling on top of it all, and it, it was super cute. So I, I mean, if you haven't seen it out there. Go and watch it, especially if you're a child of the 80s and the 90s um, growing up through these console wars and how the marketing was, you know, made it seem like if you had Nintendo and you didn't have Sega, you, you know, you weren't cool. You know, all of that stuff is just kind of ridiculous and fun to look back at now. But it's kind of like, wow, yeah, this is very interesting way to 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 market to children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh did either of you guys uh watch this i haven't but um did you ever watch the the docu-series on netflix called high score i've seen parts of it it sounds a lot like that one Be- because they did dedicate most of an episode to the kind of nintendo sega console wars because mm-hmm. when you were talking about this story um of Kalinsky. I re- <laughs> that it was very familiar because they had told part of that on the high score documentary, but it would be interesting to see a full movie version of just that period of time. Yeah. Just Nintendo and, and Sega and their competition. I don't often, I, I, I don't often watch a lot of movies, um, but I do highly recommend this one. It's a very interesting look. And I mean, the three of us are all in the same age bracket uh, and are also, you know, we've, we've had video games be a part of our lives pretty much, you know, for the majority of it to watch in depth kind of how all of this, and this is very much from a Sega perspective, you know, so that's also a very interesting take on it. Um, there are representatives from the other companies that are involved in the, the the filmmaking process, but this is very much a Sega film. How it came about, um, how the rise and fall of a company, and how it, it you know all of this came to be. So I, I definitely recommend this. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a four and a half flames for me when it comes down to flame ratings. Well, and the company still exists. They just they just dedicate they kept dedicated everything now to software instead of consoles. Oh yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Was, which was a smart move on their point it, for it, sure. It's just, it's just funny how Sega ends up making games for Nintendo now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it. I mean, pretty much when it comes down to it, I mean, they pretty much now are a subsidiary for lack, you know, in in for lack of a better term, I should say, uh, of Nintendo. You know, you've got. Sonic being licensed to Nintendo. So you have, you know, Mario and Sonic um, at the Olympics and like all of these different games that are being made. 
the company that they tried so hard to dethrone and did for a period of time is now basically their their partner for a lot of these things. And I think that really stems from the all-out war that happened during this, the, what's documented in this film with Sony and um, and Sega. Because basically Sega's move to join up with Sony to make, uh, like to incorporate Sony pieces into Sega was their way to try to like really take the cake and knock Nintendo out completely. And they never made it work, you know? And, and a lot of that was because Sega of Japan did not want to do things the way that Sega of America, there was a lot of, it was a company divided, you know, you had Sega of America that was doing things in, in such a particular way, in such an American way, uh, such a capitalistic way that Sega of Japan was like, no, we're not going to do this. And at the end of the day, Sega of Japan being the parent company, being the ones that uh, really put that final yes or no on things, when they said no, they said no, and that was it. And that led to the Sony partnership not working and not being, you know, being able to be a thing. It led to them missing out on the opportunity to work with the company that made the 64-bit chips um, that the N64 ended up um, taking on. Like that point in time, that singular point in time was really the end of days for Sega. So to watch it all in like this glorious, massive detail. And it's a, it's a 92 minute film, including credits. So it's not going to take up. It's, it's, it's no four hour and two minute Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> so you don't have to devote a whole, you know, like a whole crazy amount of time to it. Um, Just wait for the Zack Snyder's console wars, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's eight hours long, and it covers every console. (laughs) Uh, There's a whole section. There's a a whole hour and a half part just on the Intellivision. It's great. (laughs) (sighs) Crazy. I love it. Uh, but yeah, that's Console Wars on uh, on Paramount Plus, formerly CBS All Access. It, it came out in September of last year, I believe, is uh, when it premiered. Uh, September twenty third of twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, it's it's super cute. It's uh, it's very informative and uh, an interesting watch. So uh, if you have some time. Go check it out, and uh, I'm definitely going to have to go back and and watch, uh, finish watching High Score on Netflix, and then I feel like I'll have a better understanding of uh, of that portion of of High Score once I go back and watch it. All right, I think it is time for us to hit that question mark block at. At Nintendo World Japan. I want to go so bad. It looks so cute. I want to go. In three years, you can come back down here to go there. I I don't feel like I want to step foot in Florida for, a, for quite some time. Well, then me and Eric will have will have fun at Nintendo Land then. Isn't the one in uh, California being built first? Yeah, no. But... no. No? No? Because... Like, our... 
Because they've Nintendo already it's going to be a part of the third park. So I don't even know when that third park's going to open for Universal here. They uh, it was supposed to open, I think, spring of twenty twenty two, but I think now it's been pushed back to fall twenty twenty three because of the shutdown. Um, but they've already broken ground and started building the third park here. Um, I don't, I haven't heard of them breaking ground, uh, at the one in Hollywood cause the one in Hollywood's almost landlocked. Like they don't have much space to expand. So all I know is the one in Japan, uh, I believe is already opened. It's doing soft openings at least. And then no, no, it's open over there. Um, and the one here will open with the new park. Um, but I don't like, I think 2023 is when the one here is supposed to open with the new park. Uh, I'm. This doesn't seem right, but it says that it opened already in Hollywood, which that just does not uh, make sense. Yeah, that doesn't seem right at all. Construction update on California's Super Nintendo World. Okay, so I guess they are doing one there. Universal Hollywood Super Nintendo World is moving quickly. I feel like Hollywood will open beforehand. Okay, the pushback then probably did that. In which case, uh. I will go to California. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we are going to hit that question mark block and uh, we'll pop a green and white mushroom, giving us our one ups. Uh, These are the things that are giving us life, 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 life. In the month of April, (laughs) 2021, uh, Eric, why don't you kick us off? What is your one up for this month? So, going to circle back around to Nicole Byer and her new season of Nailed It, along with Jacques Torres. Oh, um, Yes, it is um, subtitled... Uh, what is it subtitled? Uh, Double, Double Trouble. Trouble yes. Because it's a team competition now. Oh, oh Lord. You have, you have Double the Cooks in the Kitchen for uh, Double the Disasters. Which I find very interesting in a COVID world because so I haven't watched it, but I know that they have modified some things, including not running over to pick out their um, their item like in the first round. Yeah. So it, it amazes me that when you're going to do that, but then double the amount of contestants. <laughs> well, it just seems like, really weird. Yeah, they've certainly spaced things out so like the three judges are spaced out at the table and um do they have plexiglass dividers like drag race no they do not (laughs) um but like in drag race there are drag queens in this season come on Um, stephanie's child on episode two you have the third member of stephanie's child laguna blue who teams up with her friend Sell Manila. <laughs> um, yeah, but overall, it's a fun season. Um, some of the the teams are. I don't necessarily go for their dynamic, but um, it's a fun evolution of the series. But I would be glad to go back to just three cooks in the kitchen. Um, but it's fun. I've I've heard that there was some eye candy. Yeah, um, I mean I can't place it right now because Nailed It's one of those shows that 
I watch and I'm totally absorbed as it's happening. And then I'm like, okay, it's out of my mind now. I enjoyed that. <laughs> That's me with everything right now. I just call that my COVID brain. <laughs> as soon as we're done with this recording, I will probably forget everything that we talked about. <laughs> no, but you yeah, because you'll have to edit this. Oh, true. <laughs> But then as soon as I'm done editing and go to write up the uh, the, the episode description, I'll be like, what the fuck were the topics again? <laughs> You'll have to listen to it again. <laughs> you, need a, you need a notepad when you're editing it. I mean, I've got posted, I've got posted notepads all around, like legit, like all around my desk. And I still don't. Like I just, it's, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, the, I will go back or I will figure out what we've talked about because that's how I've now come up with the, the episode titles. I try to find some way to like make it a cute and kitschy kind of combination of our topics. But uh, (laughs) I used to not do that. I used to like have a, like find a fun way to like incorporate one word, which would be our, our SEO hot word of the, uh, the episode. And now I'm just like, (laughs) Let me just take our topics and mash them up into a, into a pseudo sentence. <laughs> I mean, literally, I think one of them was what um, Zack Snyder's uh, League of Drag Falcons or something like that. <laughs> I was like, can you guess what we talk about in this episode? <laughs> oh, goodness. But uh, but yeah, Double Trouble, the new season of uh, Nailed It, now streaming on Netflix, starring uh, on-again, off-again, drag race judge Nicole Byer. Uh, BJ, what is your one-up? So I have discovered a music artist um, called Queen Herbie. Is she fully loaded? She is no. She, <laughs> so Lohan or warm up act. <laughs> thank you. That is definitely worth the horns. Um, no. So Queen Herbie is actually a re a, a rebranded music artist that we've heard before, and that would be the uh, uh, the lyrical half of Carmen, um, who did Broken Hearted acapella. Um, like she had, she had pretty much three or four like big hits that you couldn't get away from. Like I want to say probably about eight years ago. Um, but, uh, I didn't realize it was her until she, I found her on TikTok, and she put up one of her videos where she did a cover of a Buster Rhymes, uh, verse. And I'm, she's just like back when I was starting out and I'm like, wait, what? And then she's like me now. Um, but uh, she's just released her uh, first. Actually, no, she's still releasing her singles. So she hasn't released an album yet. She's got a. Uh, she's got five EPs, and she just dropped a new single called Juice. Um, my favorite song. My two top favorite songs of hers are Sugar Daddy and Vitamins. Um, so I will. Pr- I'll probably post her video up on the. Um, Twitter and the Facebook page for everybody to check out. Um, but yeah, definitely check her out. She's up on TikTok as Queen Herbie, uh, and she's up on Spotify and iTunes as Queen Herbie. 
Um, and just just to specify, it's Q V E E N. Yes. And Herbie E Y, not I E. Yes. Q- I I always forget the V, the Q V E, because I don't know. Gosh, she pulled, she pulled a Chiverches. She, did <laughs> she pull pulled a Chiverches. A Chiverches <laughs> chicken. Oh. <laughs> Is that Chiverches chicken on Chiverch Street? <laughs> I'm going to go see the live Chiverches show down the road from Chiverch's Chicken and Kaveen Herbie is opening for them. <laughs> On Chiverch Street. Don't forget. You know. <laughs> oh, goodness. I love it. So Kaveen, <laughs> Kaveen Herbie. <laughs> oh, go check them out. Uh, yeah, Carmen, not San Diego. And uh, Herbie, not fully loaded. Uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I, I when you were saying Carmen, I was like, okay, I remember, but I couldn't not remember the songs. And then, yeah, I, I remember you've done uh, some of them. Lena used to do uh, some Carmen back in the day, Barry Oki and the Bear Den. Yep, I did acapella. Acapella was the one I always would do. I anytime I hear acapella, I automatically think uh, Kalise. Uh, so it's it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that. Like I know that more than one person has you know a song named something, but that's just where my brain goes. That's my automatic uh, take there. So Queen Herbie, go check her out and uh, enjoy some sugar daddy and uh, insulin. I mean vitamins. <laughs> All right. So before I get to my one up, uh, I want to give a shout out one to um, a podcast called Gayest Episode Ever. Uh, Drew Mackey is one of the hosts. I now follow him on the Twitters, uh, which has pretty much become my primary social media outlet. I am taking a break from Facebook, uh, or at least my personal Facebook. I'm still posting on the Bears in the City page uh, for game night, Wednesday nights, uh, on twitch.tv slash Bears in the City. When this comes out, we will move to 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Uh, Central. So come and play along with us. Jackbox.tv uh, on twitch.tv slash Bears in the City. But on the Twitters, uh, Drew G. Mackey is his handle. Posts a lot of uh, just random thoughts and uh, things about life from a middle-aged gay man's perspective, which uh, is right up my alley because I am a middle-aged gay man as well. And uh, he is also... Uh, a delight for the eyes and uh, posted a shirtless photograph of himself uh, looking for follows on his podcast uh, because he has not just one, but two. And uh, the first one is one that Eric has actually brought up on our show uh, before. And that is gayest episode ever. And his other is singing mountain. It is a podcast with music for your pixelated world uh, hosted by Drew. So I went and subscribed to both of his podcasts. I've started listening to gayest episode ever. Um, Even though I don't always agree with some of the takes, uh, especially Drew's absolute disdain for will and grace. 
Um, I see where it has its flaws and its issues, but I also enjoyed a lot of parts of Will and Grace. So uh, it was funny. He had he and um, uh, his co-host, uh, whose name is escaping Glenn. me, was that Glenn? Lake. Glenn, Glenn. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, he and Glenn had two uh, guests on for that episode, and they were kind of going around towards the end of it and. Uh, they do like a question at the end of the episode and the three, three of them, Glenn drew and uh, one of the guests, like all really don't like Will and Grace. And the last one was like, um, I don't really share the disdain for these, the series. And I was like, Oh, okay. At least I feel better, you know, chuckling at some of the clips that are being played during the, the show. Um, but it is really kind of cool seeing these uh, these shows and episodes being dive, uh, doing a deep dive into these episodes. Uh, it is interesting and and weird putting a 2021 filter and lens on shows that are you know 10, 15, 20, 30 years old. Uh, but it's always good to go back and, and examine these things and where they've come from and where we're at now and kind of showing how we can enjoy them. But to also look at them from that perspective of uh, of a more enlightened and a, a a a more aware point in time where we are right now. So big shout out to Drew. Um, if you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, maybe we can uh, find a way for Drew to get onto uh, come onto the show and uh, and chat with us uh, in the not too distant future. I also want to give a shout out to another uh, thing that makes me smile from ear to ear whenever i see it on my twitter feed and that is tony talks um on twitter he is i am tony tweets um on a lot of his other stuff he's i am tony talks t-a-l-k-s i think on tiktok he is i am tony talks t-o-k-s uh basically it's i am tony and then a modified version of uh uh the last part for the platform that he's on but he is a uh, content creator that, for the most part, does videos by himself, uh, kind of in the same vein of how I enjoy Ryan George and his uh, pitch meetings and and content like that. Uh, but a lot of times there are uh, fantastic wigs involved and uh, just different scenarios in which he uh, interacts with himself. And it's it's I don't know if he is part of the LGBT community, but. All of a lot of his content tends to have a uh, a, a very um, LGBT kind of haze over it, and I love it. So go check him out on Twitter. I am Tony tweets on Twitter. I am Tony talks and talks and all those others on uh, on the other platforms. Uh, but the thing that has been giving me life because it's been what I've been consuming the most of in the past month is Paramount Plus. Um, yes, another streaming service. Yes, it was CBS All Access beforehand. Um, but with the integration of all of the Paramount Viacom uh, properties, you now are getting uh, your CBS, you're getting your VH1s and your MTVs and all these other uh, networks worth of content that are being brought in, including things like um, Console Wars, you know, an original film. Uh, you're getting the real world uh, homecoming the reunion of the original cast almost 30 years later um, bringing up such conversations like the um, 
Becky and Kevin um, argument heard around the world from 1992 about race, which takes on a whole different meaning uh, in the year 2020 when this was filmed. Um, you get the challenge all stars, which while the challenge on MTV is growing and evolving and you're bringing in new cast members from different shows, big brother and survivor. And uh, actually on this recent, most this most current season, somebody from ultimate Beastmaster, which I did not think that would actually be a show that would cross over into the challenge world. It did. Um, although I was surprised to see Natalie from survivor considering she was uh, on the uh, 40th season of survivor and on this most recent season of the challenge she must have filmed them pretty quickly back to back. Um, but they have put together a lot of content and it actually is a pretty cool platform. Yes, it has its bugs. Yes, it has its issues where um, sometimes it's not easy to navigate through things, but there's a lot of fantastic content. Um, so go check it out. There's, they actually give you a 30-day free trial and not just a seven-day. So you can go check it out, watch a bunch of stuff, see if you like it. You have uh, option for limited commercials, no commercials, a whole bunch of different uh, things that you can do a year subscription if you don't want to do monthly. But uh, there's a lot of programming that I enjoy, including these reality shows. And uh, the, the Challenge All-Stars is fantastic for me because all of the competitors, for the most part, are in their 40s. These are the OG real world and road rules contestants. And... Um, their music scoring is phenomenal because they are on point with their demographic. They knew who they they know who they're catering to and what this age range is. Um, I was telling the boys before we started recording this in one episode during a heartfelt moment, they played seals don't cry. And then during the trivia portion, uh, when everybody was getting questions wrong and they were falling through the panels in, you know, doing a 20 foot drop into water, they played, uh, and Vogue's My Lovin', parentheses, never going to get it, <laughs> with the, and now it's time for a breakdown. Never going to get it, never going to get it. And it was just a montage of people getting questions wrong and falling through <laughs> through the panels. <laughs> so bravo to whoever is uh, picking the music because it is a uh, an 80s and 90s wet dream of music. So brava, brava. Uh, so that's what's giving me life this month. So with that, it is uh, time to wrap up this episode of Flame On. We thank you all for listening, for supporting us, for enjoying us. Uh, or if you are just uh, hate listening because you're a completionist like I am, and that's why I've watched uh, 70 seasons of uh, reality competition shows in the past four months. We thank you for being there for us. Uh, go check us out online. Flameonshow.com is our website. Uh, you can go, all of our links to everything are on our website. You can also check out our link tree, linktr.ee slash flameonshow. Uh, and if you would like, you can go over and help support the show monetarily and uh, become a patron on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash flameonshow and become a patron just like our friend Zach who is our uh, our newest patron. So um, thank you all. And uh, until we meet again, bye, bitch. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.